0: Right now, my mind state is a rash, you know I think back, but my past circulates around you. All the pictures that I've deleted from my cell phone. I wish there was a button from my heart, but that's a well-known. On second thought, this is crafted from my innocence. From friends for so long, this goes back to our youth. You exemplified what a real Santa sister was. I never thought twice, like to even picture love. Walks around this lake, take this past, let it go once. Then about the beach, treat the season like a cold front. My heart shrinks, stay protected when I played it slowly. We grew closer, but in truth, this is still...
1: And hey, everyone, welcome to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and social commentary from an Asian American perspective. I'm your host, Marvin Yue. Joining me, as always, is Christine Minji Chang.
2: Hey, everyone, what's up?
1: And we have a special guest for you guys today, the original founder of Collaboration and current VP of Merchandising at Deep Fry Productions.
2: Paul PK Kim, what's <laughs> up?
3: What's up? Uh, thanks, Marvin. Christine, thanks for having me on. That's, uh, that's correct. It's called Merch Labs. I'm the VP at Merch Labs, and it's uh, under the umbrella of Deep Fry Productions.
1: That's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, thanks to everyone for joining us again this week. We're recording a little bit early, but when you're listening to this, it'll be Wednesday, April fifteenth, Tax Day. <laughs> uh, hopefully, you got your taxes in. If you're just realizing now that you need to get your taxes in, you better hurry up because the, the government's going to come after you. Post office going to close soon.
2: <laughs> get on that TurboTax. How oh, is, th- I, we're not sponsored by TurboTax. I just, like, named It doesn't drop. matter. Okay.
1: If TurboTax would like to sponsor us, they can reach us at podcast.collaboration.org. I was <laughs> finding
2: the silver lining, Marvin. I like it. Um, if we sound a little bit uh, husky today, just disclaimer, we're sick and it's all Marvin's fault.
1: How is it my fault?
2: Because it is. And so we're going to be, I'm. I'm going to be a little less loud, which actually might be a nice relief our voice um, is gonna
1: be extra sexy today and um and pk's calling us coming through from skype because he's at home with the babies
2: and we're so grateful that he could take the time honestly it's like uh, i don't know pk hearing about your schedule it's i can't imagine because all the things you're doing with with merch labs and then also
0: three
3: kids. three
2: kids under how old is how old is Solomon now?
3: Solomon's six, Sophie oh is three, and then I have Silas with me right now. He's six months old. He's about, he's going to go crazy and cry soon in the middle of this. But <laughs> it is complete madness. I have no idea how people do four, five, six-plus kids. Like, I, honestly, like even with two, it was crazy, and we were good. And then, uh, and then uh, Tammy and I, uh, we didn't plan to. It was God's plan. It was just unplanned. And then si- Silas is here now. It was crazy. Is it, yeah. So
2: Silas is kind of like a you, right?
3: Uh, yeah, a total accident unplanned. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, I was not planned, but I, you know, I, I'm here now. And then Silas, like, you know, you're, you're so busy, uh, when you have kids, like, you know, my wife and I, we, we did not plan to, but yeah, I got a, I got a vasectomy, uh, right after Silas to make sure that, uh,
2: no, no more no accidents. More. Right,
1: so, you're, <laughs> yeah. so you're donezo now, no more kids?
3: I'm donezo. And then I told one of my friends, uh, Asian comedian, I'm not going to name him. <laughs> but I, I said, uh, yo, I got a vasectomy. And he goes, you got your balls chopped off? I go, no, you idiot. I didn't get castrated. Like nobody oh pays someone God. else to get their balls chopped off. And he goes, oh, what? And I go, dude, I, no one gets castrated. I got a vasectomy. You got oh you fixed. So you don't have kids anymore. And you know what he said? He goes, well i didn't i didn't finish college i go what does that have to do with anything <laughs> <laughs> That, that has, like you know you know, your friends are like their insecurities come up for no reason i'm like that, what are you talking about like you, that's not a college oh thing like
2: God. castrated
3: and vasectomy what are you talking about like not just like you,
1: you go to your doctor and say hey i don't want any more kids it's like i got something <laughs> for that
2: <laughs> gosh yeah i honestly the, the cra- feel yeah go ahead
3: no. cr- the crazy thing is is like you know the, the vasectomy dog he's like an elderly white dude and then uh the White man, and he like you know you, you do this orientation for thirty minutes. He breaks it all down, and then you come back. Like you come back a week later, he makes it seem like oh okay, it's just him. And then when you're in there, um I'm gonna break it all down for you guys. Well, if break it down. Break second, it down. Yeah, for those people in the future, when you when you're done with the hey Solomon, hold on, buddy, can you come in? Um, and then so he comes in, and then Solomon, other way, and then um he his wife is in there too and you're like oh okay and then like she's helping him
1: is she like the and then uh
3: yeah and then she's helping him and then you know mm-hmm. you're laying there you're watching there's an espn on the ceiling you're nice. laying there then they're, they're like they're numbing you you're like please god numb me and then uh <laughs> and then you uh, it actually doesn't hurt it's like one shot and then you're I you know don't so you so don't it. feel anything Hey, say hi collaboration hi
2: hi hi you're you're so so Marvin. hi Hi! Oh my gosh, I'm dying. Sophie, that's Sophie. Girl, yeah. Oh, it's Sophie. Hi, Sophie. She's um, she's my me. Anyway, I can't believe she's so three. Everything.
1: I still like I still think of her as like a little baby. But now I guess that's Silas now.
2: That is
3: two two terrible twos and threes is no joke. And then uh, biologically they become pleasers at four. Mm. So four through six is amazing. <laughs> it's almost like God makes you suffer for three years <laughs> like before you get to the other three because. Four through six, and I talk about other parents. They become the sweetest kids. Like when you come out of the shower, like, "Oh, daddy, let me I'll towel you down." And then, "Do you want water?" Or here, like, they, they're very like sensitive towards you, and Aww. that when you come home, they're just like jumping up and down, dancing that you're home. It's a little slice <laughs> of heaven, like every day when you come home. It's amazing.
2: Awesome.
3: And then uh, teenagers is hell again. But like you know, I would say I would like, say
2: middle school, honestly, <laughs>
3: three is yeah. like insane it's like crazy exhausting and then four through six so far is amazing i heard Mm -hmm. up until puberty it's amazing and then teenagers is hell again and then and then you're back and then you're close again with your kids in college
1: hopefully
2: you go through the waves
1: i think it's after college usually because like especially if you move away like home becomes so much more important yeah um, <laughs> yeah.
2: but yeah, yeah. I, I want I oh, want but- PK to finish educating because okay, so you're oh, watching yeah. ESP so, on the ceiling. You want
1: to go back to the vasectomy we're talking about? Yeah, like because I'm stuff. a public
2: health major and I was gonna be a doctor and I feel like this is a very important PSA to all of uh, the Asian like everybody who's listening, because. As a woman too, I think it's ridiculous that women are expected to go get their tubes tied, which is much more invasive and much longer of a recovery time. So PK, preach. Do people still do that? And, I feel yes.
1: like more and people just get vasectomies, uh, and
3: it's more yeah. dangerous. For
1: it people. is
2: more dangerous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, now we're turning this into health talk. I love this. I love I it.
1: I feel like. Okay, it's it's the penis so you, episode. Let's do is it. It's not the get... penis
2: episode. It has nothing. Oh my god. Anyway, keep going.
3: So the so the doctor comes in, and then his wife is in there as well. She's like handling you, and then there's some like there was some like random Latina lady in there like giving him the tool. I was like, wait a second, and then. And then there was, like, some young Asian girl in there, too, just walking around like a nerd. I was like, wait, wait how many women are in this? <laughs> like, he never said in the orientation, like, yeah, my wife and my assistants and all. I'm like, dude, like, what the heck? So that part would trip me out. But um, the craziest part that tripped me out is uh, his wife, who's the, they do about three vasectomies a day, which is $5,000. But with insurance, about, it's about $500. dollars mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, they do, they make good money, vasectomy doctors, real good money. And so they're just cranking them out, right? And so they, you know, you get jaded. You do it like, just like me, I MC DJ weddings. I've done over 300, even though it's the most special day for them. When the, when the bride is faking the bouquet toss, I'm just like, just freaking throw it. Ah, right. Like you get jaded, right? So I could tell his wife is so jaded. And so, like, after the vasectomy, she comes to me, she sits me down she gives me this little canister this tube and the way she's explaining it to me is she's like I don't know what's going on right here it's like this fax machine's going off. um she gives me this little canister and she's like you're gonna have to fill this up and bring it back so we make sure that your uh your bullets are uh you know you're not loaded and, and I was like what and then she's like yeah you're gonna have to uh fill this up with your sperm and she goes I don't want any afternoon ones I want a fresh morning one that's what she told me. And, and I'm like, the way she said it, I could, not I'm immature, right? I, can't, I was laughing. Like, I'm like, okay. And then she was like, no, this is serious. Like, it's not funny. I was like, oh. Deadpan. Hey, okay. I was like, and then she gives it to you, and then she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll see you back here. I'm like, dang, she does that over and over and over to men every day
0: Yep.
3: i'm gonna need your sperm fill this up i don't want an afternoon one i want a morning one i'm like oh my god it's So it's <laughs>
2: that's so a that's a the job. life of a doctor like there's no shame because it's so like bio it's just biology
1: well it's not just that that's probably like some sort of qa quality assurance test because i'm sure um they've heard stories or there's been stories of people who like got a vasectomy and still got their wife or whoever pregnant oh, yeah. and then come back and that's a lawsuit right there well there's women like, who get their yeah. tooth
2: tied and still have babies like yeah. it happens yeah they got-
3: They got to put the onus on you. The liability is not on them. So, yeah, they have to make sure. And so, but I'm just saying, like, there was no... It was completely robotic, stoic. There was no emotion. Yeah.
2: You
3: know what I'm saying, like, it was just no like,
2: compassion in the voice. Just, like, okay, here was you go. Like,
3: dear thing, like this. This woman, she's with her husband all day long. She's handling like balls all day long, and then she tells beaten <laughs> men, "Fill this thing, come back." She's counting her money, like, she's, and then at the end, she's like, "We do give a referral fee, fifty dollars if you refer someone else." Oh I was my god! <laughs> That's how I know I'm always gonna be immature because stuff like that makes me laugh. I, I was driving by uh um this restaurant Burbank every day and this is uh, there's a restaurant um Black Angus, but at once a year these high school kids they take off the G so it's black Anus and I cannot stop laughing. Like I I just <laughs> imagine the owner coming out like again
0: they make a black anus again, like he's
3: all mad, you know what I'm saying? He has to buy like a bunch of Gs, like a huge group of G's and put the G up every year because it's Black Angus becomes black anus.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go look for that now so I can like, I don't they know, trust Snapchat Every, it to you, PK. It's probably Every everywhere. Every just... black
3: Angus, I guarantee you, at one point, some kids have stolen the G. I guarantee you, like, they knock out the G because it's funny. And I'm like, man, I think it's funny. And my wife's like, that's not funny. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's funny. I love how it turned from the... You know, making major life decisions about family planning and uh the traumas of of being in a doctor's office without proper consultation to anus.
1: <laughs> well i mean we're talking about dick jokes here right so it's not it's dick jokes funny. see
2: it's 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 serious
1: it's but it's still funny i know
3: that's why this- it's not it's not dick jokes this is uh, uh something that you know a lot of men they go through a lot of uh they have to make a serious decision like you know what what affects your relationship with your wife is your intimacy right and so you when you're married a lot of people are like okay are we gonna have safe like no we're married like that's what what that's one of the reasons why you get married like what we're gonna wear condos like no and then because of that like you have to be careful every time like every single time but the thing is you're married, and so like life is crazy busy. We're up at 6 a.m. making breakfast, just getting uh, before we even do anything for ourselves. And by the time, from like the morning till I walk my kids to school and come back, and then get ready to go to work, that's like an hour and a half, two hours every single day. And if you don't go to sleep early, that affects everything. So you don't have any time to be intimate <laughs> with your wife. And then so a lot of married men have to come to decision like, okay. Is this? Are we done with kids? And once you make that decision, technology has made it available where you're like, okay, well, this is it now, and you close shop. And it's a very (laughs) serious decision. And once you close shop, you're like, oh wow, like this is this has changed everything. It's actually liberating, very liberating. You're just like, wow, like I don't have to work because every kid. Rocks your world, changes your life. When people say like, "Oh, I understand, I have a dog." No, you don't. You don't. You don't. You can leave your dog at home and go out and come back. You don't leave your baby at home and go out and come back. Like you don't. It's twenty four seven, Yeah. and you exponentially multiplies with each baby, so it's crazy.
1: Yeah. So, so how's it now with three kids? Because like you know, when you had just Solomon, he's like with zone defense, right? You get two on one, and then when Sylvia came along, it's like one on one. Each of you guys have your man assignment. Now you're like outnumbered,
3: right? Now now we are outnumbered. It is insanity. <laughs> it is complete insanity. Uh, okay. Every day I go to sleep, I swear to God, I just say, like, we survived another day. Thank God. The best things in life aren't things. You have to tell yourself all these things. <laughs> it's not about material. It's not. It's about. It, honestly, it really grounds you and humbles you. Like, I traded in my Beamer. I had an X5. I, I traded in for a minivan. Just as, Just like that. Like, as a man, you're like, okay, nice. my, all your priorities change and you're like it's all about the kids it's all about providing the best life for them and uh for me you know i've given like 15 years of my life to the community with collaboration liberty north korea asian Night laugh factory now i'm all about providing for the kids and family that's like my entire focus so even like i get invited to do these things you know like big brother big sister i'm like i'm really sorry guys but no, <laughs> like not anymore. I can't do anything. Like it's all about not being selfish, but it's just all about my family and kids. I have to make money for my family. That's that's my focus.
2: Props to you, PK. I know that. Like you know, I met you several years ago, and I know. I'm getting a a taste of that lifestyle, I guess, in terms of all the events and the things that you got to do in order to be the leader. And then you just you're a super social guy, you know, like you love hanging out with everybody and you do your shows and stuff. And it's awesome just to honestly see because you share very freely. Like you show you share videos and you share all, you know, photos on Instagram and stuff. But it seems like. It's it's so obvious that your focus is on your kids and but it's so awesome to see how much fun they have with you and how much they adore you. I think that's it's just awesome because you know everyone's aging and like kind of transitioning in life what do you call it like life experience in that phase of life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool to see, I guess, PK, always the role model. <laughs> kind of like just showing people like, yeah, it's important to be a dad and to be really dedicated to that. And to focus on giving your kids time and energy and love. Especially while they're young.
3: Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I'm not going to lie though. All parents on social media are liars. All all
2: parents <laughs> that post only
3: fun stuff and happy stuff and smile. That's literally 20%. The other 80% is hard <laughs> Work. They're yep. crying. They're screaming. They're di- so When you're a baby, people don't re- realize it's almost ten diaper changes a day. A day, like they're constantly pooping and peeing. Like, just got to make it fun. Like when my when Silas, like Tammy's changing Silas's diaper and, and he pees on her, I cheer that. I'm like, yeah,
0: go Silas. And you gotta like,
3: <laughs> you gotta keep it fun. Otherwise, you go crazy. Like kids make you bipolar because they're they're just crazy, right? And so. I I record my stuff and put online because I I'm tr- my family's all over the world. My mom's in Korea.
0: Mm-hmm. My
3: brothers in Korea. <laughs> their family. My my sisters in New York. I have nephews and nieces all over the country. Like, it's 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 the best way to keep your family in tune. We all like you know cacao chat. We we send each other video and audio. And and they, they, your kids grow so fast. Like, we already every time we we look at our, our the old videos, we're like, oh my god, that's crazy. Like how fast they're growing. And so. You just imagine the time before technology like before they had cameras like you forget you forget what they look like you forget what that moment in life you forget how how hard it was and it it's really a blessing to look back on on pictures and videos and media and it it's it's very rewarding that part has been been very rewarding like looking at their growth
2: I get—I have a kick out of you do your throwback Thursdays. Like, oh, they were so little. Yeah,
1: it's funny you mentioned about that twenty percent because I had to explained to me this way: where like, if people actually knew what it was like to raise a newborn, no one would ever have kids. They'd all be scared away. Dude, it's—it's it's so
3: hard. I—I I can't explain. I—I, you know, starting collaboration was uh, a lot of hard work. You know, like in the room posturing by myself and then, like, to doing the tickets and, like, promoting and then no one believing in it and, like, you know, working a day job and doing it at night. <laughs> Raising a baby is way harder, dude. It, I, can't even, I can't even explain. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Peter, you're because you're
2: freaking there's, me out. There's
3: <laughs> no break. Yeah. There's never a break. Like, you're, you're up in the middle of the night a few times a night. You can't get mad at the baby. It's not their fault. You're gritting your teeth. You know, there's there there are there times when like I drive to Ralph's and I would blast music and I would just yell at the top of my lungs like, "This is
0: so, this is crazy!"
3: (laughs) Like just to let it out because it's it's like I don't want to yell at them, It's Not their fault, you know. So it's it's crazy. It's
2: honestly, I'm so glad that you're sharing. Well, because like even the fact that you're the how miserable it is or like how frustrating it is. Is really really important for us to know, especially because I feel like yeah, social media can be very misleading in terms of like oh yeah, everything is wonderful, right? Like
3: all I, well, even parents with social yeah. media are liars, yeah. I'm, 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 even I'm before parenting, a com- comedy yeah. bit on that one, <laughs> yeah.
2: No PK, right. I'm like dude, you're getting gold for your stand up. Do you know what I mean? Like
3: <laughs> that have- was it. A- if there was an Instagram, I might start one uh, account called Real Parenting. And it's just <laughs> there's just kids pissing and pooing and crying and screaming and tantrums. Like, that's Real Parenting right there. Well, there's it's this tum,
1: there's this Tumblr called um, Reasons My Son Is Crying. And it's just pictures of his son crying and the reasons for it. Oh, my God. And it's God. like, said he wanted oatmeal. I gave him oatmeal. And then he's crying. <laughs> things like that. What
3: the heck? Some things don't make sense. It's crazy.
0: Uh... That's correct.
2: Well pK I'm so glad again like that we got the time to sit down and talk with you because you know it is a rare moment for you to have uh a chat with us and I, and I love catching up with you especially because every time I talk with you I feel like I learn something new not only just because like what you're going through in life but also just about collaboration because I'm running to you I find like I periodically need to like call up pK and be like dude I'm so stressed out <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing uh i I feel like I'm overwhelmed and whatever and pK always like I don't know. You always calm me down because you've, you've been through the gauntlet, you know, like you said, for 15 years. So it's it's always reassuring. And I don't know. Like, do you ever feel that? I, I'm curious because I'm I'm curious, like, what I'll feel like of 10 years down the line and how you feel about collabs, seeing it from, like, a distance now that you've been out of it for a while.
1: Well, PK also has a very calming voice. He does. <laughs> He's just always calm. No, he does.
2: And it's, like, very full of humor and, like, levity. Yeah.
3: First <laughs> Yeah. Well, first off, you guys are doing an amazing job. You know, I'm I'm watching from afar and up close. But I'm you know I brought Solomon to the show. That was an amazing thing. Like I, I just I felt like it felt very fulfilling. You know that he got to be there and and uh, it was like a surreal moment. And so you guys are doing amazing. I'm so encouraged and inspired. And I know you're working hard. Um, so yeah, props to you guys. Much respect to you guys. And uh, yeah, call me anytime, please. I you know share. Everything I think you guys are taking it on another level you know of just like this this whole next level of uh where where our generation is at, you know, and so it's 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 somewhat harder because these kids are spoiled with YouTube now, you know, and they don't they don't really appreciate it sometimes of what collaboration really is and what it means, you know, and it's how quickly it's changed like from You know, and I I was growing up and there was no Asians on TV and movies and media. And it's just like now it's becoming more commonplace. You know, it's crazy how many Asians are in commercials now. It's it's never any Asians in commercials before. Yeah. So, yeah. And I I truly believe that collaboration has a, a piece in that. and so props to you guys you guys Absolutely. are the soldiers
2: no you honestly it's like no you're the greatest you're the greatest. <laughs> honestly though it's i i i've reflected on this quite a bit but just like since i've moved to la how much i've learned about how deep collaboration runs like it really did i mean i kind of knew how far it spread because i got to travel and see you know how collaborations in new york and chicago and toronto and all and that was like mind-blowing because it's just like wow everything that matters to me here in san francisco it's like it's the same for you and in canada and blah, blah blah but it's also but to be where it started and then where it has been around for 16 years it's ridiculous i meet all these people and then they ask me like just in passing like oh what do you do i'm like um oh, i am part of collaboration blah 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 and They're like, i know that i went to you know i hear all the time pk and it seriously astounds me i'm just like wow how do you what and they're like yeah and my best friend they're in a dance crew that competed in like 2004 or whatever i'm like geez louise like the amount of reach and like dang <laughs> i'm always impressed my- my
3: favorite collaboration story is uh, I remember one, one of the early years uh, I was going walking around. I used to just walk around to the, the stores in K-Town and ask for sponsorship, like show the program book and say, like, how oh, can you, you know, pre, you know, give 500 bucks for an ad? And then I, I remember we went to this restaurant in K-Town, and one of the guys, the ajima was like the, oh, you could talk to the owner's son, and he's right there. So I talked to the owner's son. At that time, he was uh, young 20s. And then uh, I'm so glad I had a witness at that time, Christine, you know, associate director christine uh she was there and she was next to me and i was like hey man i don't want to say his name i go hey man like you know can you sponsor a show you know I, you know i love your restaurant we actually bring a lot of people here and then uh he goes man i know collaboration he goes my friend pk runs collaboration i go i'm pk he goes oh you're pk <laughs> like that <laughs> like he is just dropping my name like if we're friends i never met him before i'm like what and then Christine goes, she covered her mouth. She goes, <gasps> she like was like so embarrassed for him. And I was like, I was like telling, like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm like uh, honored and embarrassed at like same time. I feel like disrespected and honored at the same time. Like, dude, are you just telling people we're friends? I don't even know. I, didn't even, I just met you, dude. I was like, what? And so I remember years later, I ran into him and we were drinking and I was like, Yo, what was up with that, right? Because I had to call him out. I'm like, what? and then why I like him a lot. And this is the moment of reality where people have to, when they get checked sometimes, where he goes, man, I was just trying to be cool. And I was like, man, I love you. <laughs> but I gave him a big hug. I'm like, dude, there's so many other things he could have said and denied it. But he was just like, that is love right there. He goes, yeah, I was just trying to be cool, you know, because. He's just telling people, yeah. My friend PK runs. out. I'm like, dude, we never met. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who you are, dude. So, but then I got the ad for $500. Yeah,
2: you did. That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm like, are
3: you gonna Are you gonna sponsor us now? <laughs>
2: <laughs> to redeem yourself out of this little hole that you have dug? Please, no. That's awesome. It's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. I'll tell
3: you my one of my. Uh, I actually have a video of it, and I'm gonna um, tell him before we release it. I mean it's like a few years back. And it was like uh the collaboration nokia theater and then you know i did like a stand-up set and so like i had a camera following me around Mm -hmm. and uh just for the experience and then uh we just we we have it in the archive somewhere and then i'm like all right let me just let me just but life got crazy busy so i'm like let me just hold on to this and i'll I'll put on youtube later and it's like it's gonna be nothing right i only get like what a few hundred views on my youtube channel but there's a director that like, I was on the I was on the red carpet, right? And then, it was a director from another state. <laughs> and I'm talking on the red carpet, and in the middle of my interview, like, because there's bigger stars behind me, he takes me by my shoulders, and he just, like, guides me off the red carpet. <laughs> and I, I felt so small. Like, I felt so stupid. Like, I felt so dumb, right? And I, in the interview, I'm like, wow, like, man, like, it's such a, like, dumb pride ego thing, but... We're human, right? Yes. And so I just remember feeling so, like, wow, like, <laughs> how things change. Because I, And then I remember toward the later years hosting collaboration in other cities, you know, like, people, like, backstage, they're just kind of, like, pushing me around. They're like, hey, man, what do you do for the show? I'm like, man, that's how, that's how quickly things change, dude. It's like, so, yeah, it's just, like, you just got to, like, lower your ego. And it's not about you, as I realized. It's about the movement.
2: No, I feel like I feel like that's entertainment as a whole. it's a it's it's a very humble i mean, for so many reasons I include it and kind of the mama hen in me kind of wants to find out who did that to you and give them a little talking to. but I feel like entertainment's interesting to see how like behind the scenes how truly humbling it is because it is such a you know you're trying to share your art and in order to share your art, people have to want to hear it. so you have to market yourself, but you're constantly putting yourself up for rejection. I feel like if you want to be an entertainer, you're setting yourself up for a life of constant no's and, I don't know, like, external validation that really can – on some days, it's amazing. You're just like, I'm the shit. Like, I'm amazing and people appreciate me and they love what I do. And then other days, it's like, they don't even know who I am. I'm insignificant. Totally. But I think that's why, totally.
1: like yeah, – like, um what PK was saying about putting your ego aside because like Minji and I have talked about this before about you know where we want to take collaboration where we want collaboration to be going forward and it's to be kind of like that hub where people want to come and hang out and be a part of without the pressure of the entertainment stuff being you know
2: because it's always the there stuff, you know right? yeah yeah, <sighs>
3: <sighs> yeah you, you gotta always put your, yeah definitely entertain you gotta always put yourself out there I mean for me what helped me a lot was uh, working in sales you know like I had I, I remember being on my own, and I was like, after college, I'm like, so I've, I majored in philosophy, which means you don't make any money unless you become a lawyer or go that route. So I'm like, wait, what am I gonna do? And at that time, I was just like, I I had just started a collab, and I'm like, what am I gonna do? And I, I did inside sales. You make like a hundred calls a day. You're rejected ninety nine times out a hundred, and you're just trying to make that sale. And that gave me a thick skin because I I'm not like that. I hate like like you know calling people and bothering them and but that helped me in everything i remember when i was single too like going out and like clubbing i grew up like a really nerdy skinny kid but that gave me confidence i'm like you know what i don't care like who cares like i will go up to the hottest girl and i don't care i don't care if she says no and every time i got a no i would just straight up t- say to her face you're lost and just walk <laughs> away
0: right oh
3: and like that that helped me like you know where I, when i met my wife like she was like I felt like the hottest girl at the club. I met my wife at a club, and all my friends are like just looking at her, like. And I was like, "Man, why are you guys just looking? Why don't we? Why don't you talk?" It's because they always guys are so afraid of rejection, and they a lot of guys do a defense mechanism. They see like a hot girl, they're like, they try to like put her down, like, "Oh no, look at her, she's this and this." I'm like, "That's because you're afraid of being rejected," and so I that out. helped me mm-hmm. when in my single days, going out, and then. And then getting the girl who I felt like was super beautiful and she's a lawyer and you know super smart, that took me to another level where like in my personal life, I'm like, yeah, why why who cares? What's the worst thing that happened is someone saying no. And, you know, you just learn from it and you move forward. And so I just if anybody's listening right now, especially like the younger guys, I just want to <laughs> encourage them because there's just there's just this growing mentality of People who are scared to try and fail because they've been coddled their whole life. For example, like me, Walter and Danny were the next generation Korean comedians, and we're old now. We're freaking agesties, and we're like, "Wait, where are the younger, younger Asian comedians?" And there are some, but there aren't that many. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's because they're scared of failing and being rejected and putting themselves out there. And that's what you got to do, though. It's
1: like you can't be soft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's some, that's like a lesson you learn from just about every profession you're in. It's just people who succeed the first time around are very rare. Most people, you know, mess up a couple times, have to fail a few times to learn. But then the thing is, they don't let failure be the end game, right?
2: The no is not the final no. Like, failure is just no a, for now.
1: <laughs> you know, you pick yourself back up and then you try again, you know, whether it's another career, whether it's another project or something else, but another girl, you know you can't dwell on what didn't work out
2: yeah but i'd I'd say just from experience though my tiny experience um that with something like stand-up in particular it is that is a beast of a no do you know what i mean Mm because it's a room full of no i had to do pk did i tell you i had to do stand up for my acting class Ah. it was one of the worst Ah. things ever
1: can you tell us a joke right now
2: no i will not tell you a joke because i'm not a comedian and i'm not good at that give me a script I'll learn how to play that as best as I can. But, man, having to write your own bit and say jokes and then get up in front of a room. And that was, I was in a supportive room. I was in a room with friends. These are all people who wanted me to succeed. <laughs> but when you're in like a – I can't imagine like a comedy club and you're in a room full of strangers and they're like, you know, some of them will be nice but the rest of them are like, well, what's this fool got to offer? You know, make me laugh. Make me laugh. <laughs> and, man, you know, its it's a brutal, brutal – path it's a brutal choice to make in terms of like this is what I want to do but I feel like when you do get that laugh and when you are in entertainment too when you actually reach somebody and they react the way that you had hoped it's like there's no other feeling like it that you just can't compare it
3: yeah and uh, I I feel like one thing that um, collaboration is really uh, valuable is, is the whole going for your dream and doing it as a team, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of stand-up comedians, they do it solo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've talked to some of them, like, and I who have made it. And it's, like, I don't, I don't want to say names. Well, one guy, his name rhymes with Shane Book. And um, <laughs> so I, I remember running to the Laugh Factory. And, you know, he like, he's, he's a multimillionaire. He's done everything, whatever. But, you know, he doesn't really have a team. And, like, it's all about doing it with your team that's that that's the best thing about collaboration is putting the show together with your team and then at the end of the night it's the greatest feeling in the world as you celebrate a championship with your team and i remember asking him i go he I, i threw him off i go hey you know you made it you know everything i'm like is it everything you ever wanted and he just was like throwing he was like what and then i go is it is it everything you ever wanted he didn't answer me, and he was just like, uh, you know, like kind of like a yeah, like of course, but I didn't, I wasn't convinced. Mm-hmm. It's because you can make it alone, and it's the loneliest feeling in the world, you know. But it's about who's your team? Who are you gonna do it with? I saw a different one with Kevin Hart, and he has a team. Like he works with his, team, and it's about coming up together and making it as a team. And when you do that, then it's that's what it's all about, you know? And so, like, for me, like, having a family, I can't wait if I ever, quote-unquote, make it because I will feel so fulfilled coming home and dancing with my family. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, it's doing it with your friends and your family. And so, that's the thing that collaboration offers, that it's priceless for anybody who's ever been involved with collaboration that's listening, too. And you guys know, like, you get what you put into it you know and Mm -hmm. so you know look at christine marvin you guys put a lot and that's why you guys are leaders some people complain about collaboration that's why they're not and so but those who get it and have put hard work and put together a show and then at the end of the night like you've built relationships and you put together an amazing night like there's nothing better than an after party and i've hosted almost 80 of those and we've been to (laughs) 80 80 of the greatest after parties ever like think about that like how exhausted my body those those collaboration after parties are not normal they're like crazy
1: you know? They're no they're definitely not normal
3: they're like the craziest most amazing feeling after parties and i've done 80 of them that's why i'm old dude i can't hang <laughs> but you got
2: the fond memories and that's what like keeps yes. you believing and, and i
3: want to I, I want to do that with my family and my kids now and it's that's what it is it's winning for your family you know like it's it's part of it's making money for your family. That's winning, and part of it's you know just being there for them. And that's Silas right now.
2: Hi, hey. Silas. Oh, what is it?
1: Sinus wants to party, too.
2: Yeah, seriously. No, I'm actually, like, in my head as he's saying this, I'm, like, picturing... Because Solomon, I remember he got up on stage when he was a little baby, and he was, like, breakdancing and stuff. I was like, dang, <laughs> we got to set the stage, man. we got to <laughs> keep this going so that at, when when Solomon is of a, an appropriate age, he can join in on festivities and, like, do a little... Because I remember the first collaboration after party I went to, Mike Song was there, and, you know, I had never even met him. Um, but he I was like, oh, my God, that's Mike Song from Cop of Modern. And he was, like, in the whatever circle doing like a whole dance thingy and now i'm like envisioning solomon <laughs> in like um, 10 years
3: i'm not gonna lie if solomon ever hosts a show in a, a future i'll probably cry
2: yeah i'll
3: <laughs> so, you know, saying if he hosts one in the future that'll be a, an emotional moment for me
1: <laughs> we um this is probably a, a topic for next week when we have a bunch of directors around in boston <laughs> but uh <laughs> just, just general after party stories because oh goodness i've got a couple
2: Oh,
3: oh. oh, you guys should share some right now, man. I have, I have so many. Oh, my God. I have some <laughs> of the best ones ever. Man. I forget.
1: I used to remember the first one, the first after party I went to in D.C. I think that was Roy, Christine, and Rena came. I don't know if you were there, PK. I think it might have been there. It was at the um, UDC. Anyways, that was the first after party I was ever thrown out of. So let's <laughs> just leave it at that. Thrown
3: out? Great party. Yeah.
2: Nice. <laughs> everyone have that on tape?
1: Um, there was an eyewitness, um, Sylvie Song of the DC crew. She's dangerous. Don't ever party with her. She will destroy you.
2: Did she destroy you she when de- she was she responsible? De- she destroyed you. Can me. I give her a medal <laughs> and a hug? <laughs> that's really funny, though. Well, it's actually, so that's the question that we actually got. We got a question from one of our listeners, which was awesome. And it, it ties in with what you're saying about, like, you know, Solomon hosting. Because, um, actually, Marvin, you have a question, but.
1: I have a question. Yeah. All right, so. So the question goes: Hi, Minji, Marvin, and guest. I've been listening to your podcast and really enjoying them. Follow up question to episode nine: Have either of you ever thought about how you would react if your future daughter or son wanted to go into the arts? Say you had a son who, for whatever reason, wanted to go to an expensive art school for college to be a visual artist. As people who are in the creative world, would you encourage him to pursue his dreams? Would you maybe surprise yourself by encouraging him to try to find more stable jobs or careers? How do you think you would approach this issue in a way that is different from the same as your parents? Thanks. Looking forward to future episodes from Dave. Thanks, Dave.
2: Thanks, Dave. PK, do you want to start with the answer? <laughs> for
3: that? Yeah, you know, so the next generation, a lot of Asian kids are going into entertainment. So, you know, kids are always rebellious. So I'm going to do a a reverse on my kids. I'm gonna push them really hard to become entertainers. That they're gonna rebel <laughs> and become doctors and lawyers. Good move. So that's 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 my plan. No, I'm kidding. Reverse psychology. I support whatever they want to do. I provide as many instruments and fun classes for them to see, you know, what their uh, natural talents are. So, you know, that I, I I used to think it was 50-50, like nature nurture. Like my Tammy and I, we talk about it now. Do we think it's sixty-forty nature now? Like there's there's so much built-in like things that God puts in them is it's crazy like just their personality types and you know some some kids are just more athletic and some are you know you know some like Solomon loves math I was like I'm like wow like he loves it already and like I hated math but um so yeah I just want to support whatever they love doing for sure yeah if they want to go to art school 100 100%
2: that's awesome. I think I'd still actually, I'm not, I'm not surprising myself. I've always been kind of on the conservative side with that. I think when it comes to like my kids, especially like my younger brother kind of swapped perspective for me because he's 10 years younger than I am. But I, I, I would be supportive of a career in arts, but because I have experience in that and having been around people in collab, I would like, I wouldn't discourage the artistic pursuit but i would want them to be as educated and well trained i guess to be able to handle the career i wouldn't want them to become you know you know what i mean like i get the whole security thing i get you know worrying about paying rent and being able to have money for retirement things like that you know and obviously those those systems and structures are going to be different for my kids and our kids but like I want them to still get an education. I would still be very, very adamant that they, you know, go to college. What, you know, art school, if the art school is good and teaches you other things than just the technical craft of the art, I feel like there's so much more to building a life than just creativity and waiting for other people to, like, recognize it and pay you for it.
1: Well, there's a whole thing where, like, you know, you go to college, but college, you're not actually learning skills. Or technical skills per se. You're like if you're an engineer, you're learning how, how to be an engineer. You're learning, you're learning science, math, but you're also learning about how to really think for yourself or think yeah. about things, right? Yeah. So you're you know if you're like a philosophy major, you're taking any social classes or any like any classes in general. Like you're learning about theory, and theory isn't really practical per se, but it allows you to you know think about things in a more I guess academic or more higher level than like just critical um, thinking. Yeah, critical thinking. That's critical what I'm thinking. thinking. Yeah. Yeah, obviously my brain is slow because I'm sick.
2: Which is all your it's, fault. It's because I'm sick. <laughs> it's all Minji's fault or my fault, whatever. <laughs> but no, I well, PK, like I want because you're a philosophy major, and I honestly, I'm just a nerd. Like I love school, and I think, and I, I completely understand that school is not for everybody. That they don't all, not everyone learns the same way. I personally was like, I liked the structure, and I guess for my kids, I would kind of be like. It's not even about the content of what you're learning, but it's the challenge of being accountable. I feel like that's what school as a system forces you to do. You have to show – like you get credit for passing a class by just showing up, right? You have to show up for class on time. They have tardiness rules and all that stuff, right? Showing up, studying for something, getting tested on it, you know, finishing what you started, right? Like choosing – making choices and – accountability i don't know like there's other ways you can learn that but i also feel like that's what i got out of school as well is like structure i guess mm-hmm. so and i i personally appreciate that and if my kids oh, poor silence yeah silas if you don't want to go to school i'm like feeling particularly weak right now because you sound so cute Maybe <laughs> you have to go but I, yeah i would push my kids to so at least go to school and be well-rounded too, personally.
3: For sure, I mean that's like uh, I know that's like the Asian side in us too is like college is a minimum, you know, like <laughs> for sure, like you better graduate college, like for sure. That's why I'm working so hard,
0: yeah, save money
3: so they can get good education. I mean, look at Jeremy Lin, at Harvard, and he's an MBA player, though, so for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. What, but uh, but you know, hopefully they can figure out early. What they really like, you know, there's there's studies that prove it too. The the kids that know what they really want to do and plan it all out early, mm-hmm. they're just more successful and they're more effective in what they want to. Like, there's people who go into their mid thirties, they still don't know what they're like. This is like,
0: right. what do
3: I want to do with my life? And then like, and then they decide. It's like some people know, like, like mid college, this is exactly what I want to do with the rest of my life, and they go full laser focus towards it. And so that's what I wish I did, you know.
2: Did you have parents that would have, like, so obviously you, I mean, you went to school and you studied philosophy, You did sales and all that stuff. Did you, were you, were your parents kind of, were they hard on you? Did they have specific things that they wanted you to do?
3: You know, my uh, oldest brother's a uh, pastor, and then my sister married a pastor, and then my oldest sister married a successful businessman, and then uh, my other brother's a lawyer. So, like, you know, in Korean, they call it Like, I was the last. So, they're just kind of like, all right, like, just don't get in trouble. <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of hated that because y- your kids reach the standard that you set for them, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So,
3: for my, my older brother, Daniel, who's a valedictorian of high school, I remember... Uh, they're like, he's going to do something great. He's a smart one. And my brother Sam went to seminary. He's going to be the pastor. But if you don't set a high standard for your kids, that they'll only reach the standard that you reach for them. And so I always felt like for me, they were just like, he's just the the social funny one, right? And so I just feel like, you know, for me, they just looked at me like that way. And so I definitely had something to prove to them too because they never really – You know, they're just kind of like, go get a job and whatever. (laughs) And so my dad was busy. He never really, he was, every night he was at someone's house. He's growing a church from a few families. He grew a church from a few families to 3,000 people. So it was just this big thing. And psychologically, when you're a kid, you always want your parents' attention. So as I got older, when, you know, my dad never came to a collaboration. He came to one stand-up comedy show right before he passed away. But uh, that meant everything to me. And my mom came to collaboration Seven at the uh, Orpheum, and she was blown away. She was like, Whoa, what is this? And I'm like, mom, That's a mom. We've been working on for seven years. You know, it's like <laughs> that's the thing for them. It's like a, for kids, you um, like Jamie Fox, his parents were never in his life. That's why they say he's so talented because he was so driven to get his parents' attention. His parents never came to his football games as a star quarterback. He won an Oscar, you know. what I'm saying his grandma raised him, mm-hmm. and there's something deep seated in all of us that we want our parents to be proud of us, and we want our parents' approval. We want our parents to be like, "Good job," you know. And so that that was that was a big thing for me,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that goes with like so. Um, thinking about how, because you know, I'm so far away from having kids of my own, so I basically. If I were to have kids, you know, I would want... I think what I would want, going by what we talked about before, was, you know, being able to to have them feel fulfilled and challenged and always learning and basically instilling in them the fact that, you know, what we were talking about, right, that failure is okay. It's not all about winning. It's not all about, like, getting everything you want. And that some things are hard, and that's okay.
2: I think no is a very important word. Honestly, I feel like no's... I don't want to have my kids grow up in a in a world of yeses. I feel like no's are important for them either to realize I want it's no, I actually do want it. So it's going to either spurn them on to work harder to get the yes or to like, you know, if the no's that impactful and it doesn't matter, then move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think no's totally. very, like it's not a yes world. It's learn how to deal totally. with the no's. <laughs>
3: yeah and that's why i feel like like some kids are getting coddled because there's some schools that they're not giving grades anymore. They just what? give a, yeah, you never heard of that? They're I'm... just giving like like only pass fail and and uh i don't know, it's i just feel like it's becoming too much of a like not no one will fail, no one everyone does well. when the real world is not like that. The real the real world is mostly knows.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's actually it was funny uh i took a sociology a family class in college and they, they there there's all these studies done on families and they were kind of observing the outcome of children's behavior and happiness and whatever they did one study where they were studying families where parents never fought in front of their kids this goes into like a lot of the asian culture like they were they they were shielded from that they didn't witness their parents ever fighting everything was hunky-dory and happy and whatever right and then, but they found that the children of these families actually had more a lot more issues. I'm totally like generalizing this, but basically they they weren't happier or more well equipped to deal with marriage and family in their own lives down the road because they never knew how to deal with conflict and conflict is part of life. <laughs> and basically, when they got into fights with their spouses or partners, they just shut down because they didn't know. How you're supposed to fight, how you're supposed to communicate with somebody, how you're supposed to reconcile after that, say sorry, you know, like and get on good terms again. Yeah. It's kinda like they it it's kind of
1: ill prepared. It's like our our day to day.
2: Well, yes. Marvin and I are always bickering, but <laughs> we make it through <laughs> for collaboration. Uh, right.
3: A grumpy married couple. Oh Here's my gosh. Cranky married couple.
2: That's what Roy made fun of us. He's like, so how long have you guys been married? I was like, shut up, bro. <laughs> but yeah, no, PK. It's I. I seriously could. I and it's really cool to hear all the things that you're learning, and like experiencing. Honestly, I get to learn from it. I get like this like podcast mentorship of of parenting. <laughs>
3: i i uh I, I would throw myself in that way you just said the last example my parents never fought in front of us they, they were together for 50 years and then uh, they always fought behind closed doors so I, we appreciated that mm-hmm. and uh they um you know they raised five five kids so we're all married with married kids and we have you know 10 grandchildren and so yeah i think there are exceptions but yeah. you know in terms of uh dealing with fighting my, my wife's family you know they they've fought more and so they feel i feel like they keep it more real instead of just more like polite passive aggressive which is my family a little bit more you just keep it polite and you don't fight as much so you didn't fight with your siblings at all so my my my, my brothers and sisters and I we never fought
0: ever. What?
1: And my
3: parent my parents if they argued they always went behind closed doors. So mm-hmm. it was like a Brady Bunch mafia. Like my dad ruled with an iron fist, and like we they you know it was it was very unique. Like knowing most of my friends at church they went they, a lot of abuse and physical and other types and there's just like it's a slippery
2: slope you know what i mean like like you're saying like keeping it real is like it's a euphemism for like seeing the turmoil and i've i've kind of grew up opposite of upk where you know my parents definitely fought in front of me i fought with my siblings there was a lot of there were a lot of tears but i still feel like i had a really happy childhood at the end of the day you know it won where i'm like i'm a happy person doing what i love in life so thank god but um Hmm. You know, like people can look at it two different ways, like what's better, what's worse. It kind of it's, a, I guess, case by case basis. But what you can do is what the overall thing I think that we're saying is like sheltering somebody from every bad thing is not necessarily going to set them up, whether it's like through parenting or school or whatever, sheltering them from nose or sheltering them from uh, hard conversations, you know, yeah. heartbreak or whatever it is. It's not going to ne- it's not going to build you up to be more fulfilled or more happy or like totally you know, yeah. yeah
3: no i like 100 I, I on my little league team i was the only asian kid and i i batted uh like second to last it was like 14 kids and you know in real baseball there's only nine but in literally they let everybody bat is because i struck out all the time and my mom couldn't bear to watch it she would wait in the car she would drop <sighs> me off but then she, would, she couldn't even watch because she was it would hurt her because i suck so bad <laughs> but but what it what it taught me was it's okay to fail like i didn't care i was just happy to be on the team i had friends you know we would win and like i learned about baseball too this day i love baseball i like i <laughs> dreamed about it. i fantasized about being an amazing baseball and like we're all gifted differently a lot of people never get to be in that experience of being on a team and i learned so much and that's the thing is it's okay to fail it's okay to strike out and you know what not everybody's a home run hitter there were times when I would hit a little ground ball that somehow went through. And when I got a single, it was the greatest feeling in the world. Like I was like freaking felt like I won a championship, you know what I'm saying? But like it's like all all of those experiences help you. I remember being, being in the uh, batter's box and I would get hit by pitches. So I was so far away from home plate that the umpire was like – Hey sign you gotta you gotta actually step closer to the plate. Even <laughs> scared. And I would hear these some of the white parents yell out, "Open your eyes, right?" And and uh, you know, being the only Asian kid, you interpret it a certain way. Like what? What do you what do you mean by that, right?
0: Oh my so God. all those
3: experiences I never would have had if I wasn't on this little league team where I sucked. Mm-hmm. And so. I would just being out of that sheltered experience help me, you know.
1: Yeah. And so de- definitely, it's not good a shelter. Well, props for your your parents for letting you do sports. I think that's important. That's that's what I would do for my kids, encourage them to organized sports because being on a team like is important. Learning to trust, you know, people around you. I think definitely. you know. It's, um, it's a good social learning experience.
2: That's what I was going to say about school. I think school is, like, super important for socializing. Just socializing, learning how to... Yeah. socialize Most yeah. definitely. If, yeah. you can't,
3: if you don't know how to talk to and connect to other people, you can't do anything. No for real. What? Even if you're the craziest tech geek and you don't know how to at least present it to someone else, your app idea, then they're going to be like, who are you? They're That's like, what I'm
2: saying. <laughs> There's so many brilliant people. And I'm like, and you know, I really want people to encourage people to... And again, everyone has their different, like, comfort level. Mm-hmm. But... That's what, you know, just I feel like the social aspect, we're an increasingly social world, there's no way to get around it. And if you want to be effective, and I also think that it feeds into being an artist too, because I feel like the point of artistry and creative expression is to connect with people, you want to be understood. And it also helps you understand other people right when you consume it. So I feel like, I don't know, like if my my kid wanted to be an artist. If my kid wanted to be an artist, like I would want them to have shared experiences, like knowing what it's like to go suffer through college is kind of this shared experience for a lot of young people or like high school or whatever. So that I don't know, it makes you kind of more it it helps you be socialized because you can relate to others and be compassionate or whatever and. Whatever. I'm just
1: like, I feel like language is deteriorating every day because oh, of emojis. 100%. That's so true. In the future, I think there's just going to be like some sort of like hologram emoji that covers your face to let people know how you feel. That is
2: why it is up to us to preserve the integrity and the dignity of the human language <laughs> and encourage people oh. to write and sing and make music and all I think all when you get things. ahead of this
1: hologram emoji I, did, I just had, find someone to make it and then make millions of dollars.
2: Okay, fine, but it'll go back to funding collaboration, which will uphold the integrity of the human language. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah,
3: there's a there's a good site. Are you are you guys on Goodreads? All my friends are on Goodreads. It's like everybody's referring like the best books to each other, not mm. just movies. So like, yeah. it's actually it's awesome because you know we we have limited time to read good books, but yeah, your friends that are reading good books they'll refer the ones over to you, and that for me. The transition of not going out all the time, which is like, you know, I used to be the biggest social butterfly to being forced. Like I surrendered, like I was still going out with like two kids and going out three like white flag. I surrender. I'm at home now. I I enjoy being at home. And now the biggest thing for me is reading books like, wow, like transitioning to that phase in my life. And like, I totally agree. Language is deteriorating. Those (laughs) who can master language are going to. Continue to rule the world, not just you know, uh, you know, the written language, you know, but like you know, mathematical language and things like that. Coding. So yeah, it's definitely a lost art; it's dying.
1: You bring up a good point, though. I, I'm starting to see maybe the reason why your parents want us to go to college is so they they can have their time back.
2: Yeah, be quiet and go study. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because the moment my brother left for college. My parents moved away. They went to China. And now they're We're like living free.
2: in their home. <laughs> We're free. I don't know. Was do that have... the end
1: game all along?
2: Well, do you dream... I... Actually, I chat about this with PK because he was saying like what what he wants to do once his kids are older and whatnot. Because it's like... I, I get sad when my parents are are... I kind of see that they went down this path and they became very comfortable with it and their whole life has been about raising us three kids. And now that my baby brother has been – he's a sophomore in college now, so he's out of state in Michigan. So my parents are really just – it's just the two of them. And I think that transition was a lot for them to handle because for like you know 30-something years, they have just been focused on parenting and making sure we go to college. Well, the last one went to college, then what are you going to do? And I wish that they had done more stuff that they enjoyed during that time, um, that wasn't so one or the other. Mm-hmm. But that's why I'm really encouraging PK. Like, don't stop, you know, the stand up, and don't stop. Like, I'm just really adamant. We have got to make some more skits and opportunities to to have fun and like not let that that part become, you know, absent. I guess from everything. Oh, I'm never. You're
3: doing. I'm never stopping the stand up. What, Good. What's, what's What's keeping me? uh really uh excited is uh if anybody wants to search pk laugh factory on youtube i mean i'm nothing compared to all the youtube stars that have you know hundreds of millions of views and everything but my my 14 clips on laugh factory i'm up to 2.6 million i'm I'm going to be hitting 3 million views
0: nice and
3: that alone i'm getting hit by all different people like hyundai they hired me for five thousand dollars last year to to do their corporate banquet like, you know, the most I've gotten was, like, 3500 at a University of uh, Colorado. Like, I started doing Santa for, like, 20 bucks, you know, for a set. Like, it's taken me a long time. But now, like, I, if you look at the comments below, I'm really encouraged because everybody's like, you know what? Like, why doesn't he have a special? It's like, PK is one of the best. And I feel very encouraged by that. And I, I – I, I'm at one of the top comedy clubs in the world, and so I'm never stopping Santa. Even if that, that's the, that's the beauty of YouTube is like, even if I never get like my HBO whatever special, like it just gives it gives me an avenue to get all of my comedy to people. And I've I've been places where like random white guys come up to me like, yo man, I see your stuff. That's good stuff. I'm like, wow, like it is. It's starting to get around, and I people are starting it. to like forward to each other.
2: I love it. That makes me super super happy. You, I, I don't know. You're like one of the first stand-up comedians that I had ever heard because I was in college and there were videos being shared. That's why I uploaded the video on YouTube and that was my no, first I'm,
3: I'm, I'm always going to thank you. You're the one, uh, first one to bring you to Berkeley, the, the uh, Korean culture night. After that, I got, brought, I got invited multiple times, although the night Time you invited me was one of the craziest
2: I know nights I know.
3: In, in Oakland. That's a ever, 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 ever. We'll talk about it another time. Yeah. yeah. But uh,
2: that's pretty bad. Yeah,
3: I definitely realized the difference between San Francisco and Oakland that that yes. night. Yeah, Most definitely yes.
2: <laughs> a lot of don't um,
3: party in Oakland late at night. Fleeing there um, if you're Asian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still so like
3: sad that that oh happened. Oh my god. <sighs> all I, all I'll say about that story was I was calling. And I was calling where's my ride? And I was I was in an alley running. Where's my ride?
2: <laughs> he was literally like I'm a dad now, I'm a dad <laughs> like,
3: Where's my
0: ride?
2: What am I doing
1: I'm here?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this was before Uber, right? Before uh, Lyft, so Oh yeah. Oh we didn't have time before, for an yeah. Uber or
2: Lyft, that's all I gotta say. There was we gotta we well, had kind to get of- out
1: ratchet thing went down for you guys we'll
2: share it the next podcast i definitely (laughs) want pk to come back but we got to let him get back to caring for the babies and helping his wife
1: yeah 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 yeah. guys yeah Yeah. thanks so much for joining us pk
3: oh for sure thank you guys love you yeah
1: love to have you back on again and you know good luck with the the three kids now yeah congrats on the um on the operation
3: (laughs) oh Um, thank you everybody uh wait on babies Keep your your dream alive. I call my kids my little dream killers. I'm like, come here, my little dream killers. (laughs) And I I change their diaper and feed them, and I love them. But I
1: love you guys. Awesome. Love you too, PK. PK. We'll talk soon.
2: Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye.
1: Bye. And that was PK.
2: And Skype out.
1: Yep. And that'll do it for the collab cast. If you're in Boston um, this week, or if you're there all the time, Collaboration Boston Four is happening this Friday at the Royale on April seventeenth. Um, you can find information and tickets at www.collaboration.org or at the Collaboration Boston Facebook page. Mingyuan um, and I are actually heading over to Boston tomorrow.
2: Boston.
1: Yeah, uh, for the show. And, Lobster uh, rolls. Yeah, we're gonna be at the show. So if you listen to us and you want to say hi, go ahead. Thanks again to Dave who wrote in with that email. Um, if you have a topic, a question, or even just a "would you rather," you want to send myself and Minji and whoever we have on as our guests, uh, please email that to podcast at collaboration dot org. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Um, you can also reach us at Twitter at collaboration um, hashtag collabcast, to send us any feedback, anything you want to say, your thoughts about the show. One last thing: big thank you to PK for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you to PK. Honestly, I get I get really. Inspired by him, just because he's the whole reason I joined Collaboration in the first place. Because what he did with the original shows in LA and all the videos I saw. So it's always good to regroup with him, and also to get you know a glimpse of my scary future. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, it's funny because I always say to you, like I feel like Collaboration is my kid. It is like what you say. It's like it becomes your baby. It's something that you really care and want to invest in and put your time and energy into. But if he's saying that, that's not even. You know, the half of it, then shoot...
1: PK is really busy with his three kids these days, so it's always great to hear from him. You can catch him at the Laugh Factory every once in a while. Check out his YouTube channel.
2: Paul PK can look him up because he goes by Procreation too. I don't know if that's the name of his page, but he has Facebook as well.
1: I think Procreation is his um, wedding DJ um, okay. site. But um, we'll be posting his um, contact links um, in the show notes in, at in our website. So be sure to check him out. Check out his comedy. It's hilarious.
2: He's got a lot of new stuff. I mean, he's yeah. always saying like being a dad is like the... It is. It's like there's so many funny things. Things that you can just turn into best stand-up. So excited to see the new content. Yeah.
1: Well, kids are, you know,
2: like... They're Ridiculous. <laughs> they're not dumb. They're free spirits. They're like... <laughs> they, they have those fees and why kids are like little drunk people.
1: Pretty much. <laughs> Zero inhibitions. they have having that life or reality. Crush them down. We should all aspire to be like little kids. Except, you know... Sober. More mature. Yes. Anyways... Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. One last thing, next week will probably be a pretty long podcast because we're actually gonna be recording in Boston and in New York, so we're going to have a lot of great guests on and uh, look forward to it.
2: See you soon, East Coast. Bye. Bye.